Let's Talk, the Bible Fellowship Church devotional podcast to make sure you have the spiritual nourishment that you need to make it through these difficult times. On Wednesdays, we've been moving through the book of Ecclesiastes, and we've noted that the theme of this book is Solomon's pursuit of meaning in life through everything under the sun. That is, in all things apart from the Lord, only to find it meaningless vanity. It's a hard read, but you can probably relate to some of the logic and feel his frustration at some points as well. But you have to read through the whole thing to appreciate his conclusion of the matter. If the meaninglessness is driving you crazy and you have to read the last page to give you hope, check out chapter 12, verses 12 through 14. If you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to read the entire book of Ecclesiastes in one setting. It won't take long, but in its pages you'll hear the wisest person to have ever lived looking back on his life seeking fulfillment apart from God and finding nothing but futility. But for today, we're going to look at Ecclesiastes chapter 4, starting with the first five verses. Let's go to the scriptures. Verse 1. Again, I saw all the oppressions that are done under the sun, and behold, the tears of the oppressed. And they had no one to comfort them. On the side of their oppressors there was power, and there was no one to comfort them. And I thought of the dead who are already dead, more fortunate than the living who are still alive. But better than both is he who has not yet been, and who has not yet seen the evil deeds that are done under the sun. Then I saw all the toil and all the skill in work come from a man's envy of his neighbor. This is also vanity, a striving after the wind. The fool folds his hands and eats his own flesh. Now remember Solomon is viewing the circumstances of life absent of a creator and overall meaning. Let me put verses 1 through 3 in modern terms. If all we see in creation is a result of the mindless process of evolution over billions of years, and all the life forms are a result of the survival of the fittest, then we should expect nothing less than oppression and meaningless toil. The oppressor lives by the principle of might makes right. Those oppressed are used up until they die, and that's the way it should be under an evolutionary mindset. This worldview leaves no room for objective morality, and what is good is determined by those in power. Sounds very cheery, I know. Verses 4 and 5 talks of a keeping up with the Joneses mentality. There's nothing wrong with working hard and earning money, but if your motivation is out of envy out of what other people have, then you've put yourself on an endless treadmill of discontentment. You're seeking emotional and spiritual satisfaction from material things, and this too is chasing after the wind. It's a meaningless pursuit. So Solomon has to take a break at verse 6 to step off the treadmill for sanity purposes and gives us insight into addressing this matter. He says, Better is a handful of quietness than two hands of toil and striving after the wind. You see, this is finding contentment. And Paul tells us that contentment is the secret. Take a look at Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. He says, I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. We must find contentment or we will be like verses 7 and 8, which return to the futility of working hard to amass material wealth. It'll never satisfy and make you happy. You can't take it with you when you go, and the one after you may blow it all. Solomon would know this all too well. He had a son named Rehoboam, to whom he left his massive estate. His heart was consumed with wealth, and he further oppressed the people. This led to a division of the kingdom and started the downward spiral, ending in captivity. Workaholism is no good either. He asked why should he toil and deprive himself of pleasure? But chapter 2 told us that finding pleasure as an end is also meaningless. 
We also know that God rested, and so should we. Work hard and play hard. Find some recreation. Refresh the mind and body through play and relaxation. But balance between the two is key. In all of these cycles of life, we need relationships. Look at verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone, when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Humanity was designed for community, interaction, and human touch. We all know the sayings that many hands make light work, and there's strength in numbers. And this is exactly what Solomon is addressing here. We are stronger together, and we make each other better as we interact. Proverbs 27.17, also by Solomon, says, Just as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Most often, the verses of a cord of three strands are used in the context of marriage. You have a husband, a wife, and the third cord of verse 12 is Christ himself. He holds all things together, giving strength and foundation. If you are married, ensure that the third cord is present. Envision a triangle with a husband being at one of the bottom corners and the wife being at the other bottom corner. Then set the Lord at the top. No matter what issues or difficulties arise, if both husband and wife are actively seeking the Lord in his will, they will naturally be drawn closer together. If you are unmarried, make sure that one of your non-negotiables in a future spouse is having a personal relationship with the Lord. Paul warns us in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14, to not be unequally yoked. This will certainly prevent conflict and provide an unshakable foundation for a marriage. If you're currently married to an unbeliever, love them as Christ loves you, and by all means pray for them. Let the Holy Spirit do the work of convicting them. Pray that they would be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and that God would bring people into their lives to minister to them. In the meantime, let your words and actions not hinder the opportunity to share the Lord with them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for walking Solomon through some of the frustrations and irritations you put before him. It makes us feel somewhat normal in our thought processes. As much as we may complain about work, we're thankful for it. But help us to be refreshed through recreation and rest. We're praying also for marriages, that you would be at the center, that you would be their healer, and that you would be our hope. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Join us here Monday through Friday for more devotions from the Bible Fellowship family. And on Sundays for our services, stream live on YouTube and Facebook. You can also join us in person on Sundays for service at 9 and 11 a.m. and at 6 p.m. for our evening service. Go to our website at www.bfcsebring.com for the links to services. And be sure to also download our new app. Have a blessed day.